disaster Don't you give up, don't you let away Talking about a forever after Don't you give up, don't you dare give up Greetings, progressive listeners. Don't you give up. Don't allow disaster, which I think is a really good advice for this Monday, don't you think, Deb? I do. Well, welcome to the Women's Rights in the Workplace show. I'm Jack Tuckner, joined by my constant, <laughs> vigilant, eternally vigilant partner, Deborah Orell. How are you, Deborah? Fantastic. I'm glad. I know why you're in a good mood today, too, by the way. Why is that? Because it's the first day of the new Supreme Court term, and you're expecting great things from this body, this august body. And we've already gotten one. That's true. Positive. Actually, we did. Um, I think, right, they, they, and I just saw that peripherally, they declined to actually seize a case that would have allowed them to overturn um, the, uh, actually, you were the one who told me, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll address it next time because we have a lot to talk about today, and I just want to, in light of the Supreme Court's first day um, in the new term, I want to talk about a case that's sort of right in our wheelhouse that they will be hearing, an important case on December 3rd of this year, on pregnancy discrimination. And I'd like to add some value today for those who happen to be sitting around and, and listening to us. I want you to come away from this show knowing, which most people do not know, what your rights are and what your rights are not. And there are a lot of those rights you don't have in this country with regard to pregnancy discrimination in work. Um, so I, and I just, peripherally, we'll be discussing disability exactly. discrimination. Maybe not so peripherally, because that's what it's about, really. Right. It's dis- I'm sorry? Oh, turn the mic to you there, Deborah. Thank oh, you. They can't better? hear you. Yes. I, well, I think so. Okay. Thank you, uh, Giselle. So, um, first of all, I just want to say before we get started, next week, very excited. So, just want everybody to get yes. ready now. We have Amanda Noreko with us, an attorney, and she will speak about economic abuse. Economic abuse, very important issue as a form of domestic violence. Amanda is the director of the Matrimonial and Economic Justice Project at the Center for Battered Women's Legal Services at Sanctuary for Families, which is New York's largest nonprofit agency exclusively dedicated to serving the clinical, economic, legal, and shelter needs of victims of gender-based violence and their children, of course. Ms. Noreko is an attorney who has been representing victims of domestic violence and sex trafficking in family law and matrimonial matters in New York City for more than 12 years. And she also engages in legislative and policy advocacy aimed at combating violence against women and promoting women's economic empowerment, which is you know, probably the most important part of why women stay. Hashtag why I stayed? Mm-hmm. Money. Okay? And to not, I have to sort of choose between, you know, sort of being on the street often and continuing to live in this dysfunctional and abusive, either emotionally or physically abusive relationship. Um, so, you know, set your, uh, set your TiVo. Listen in. Tune in. 5 p.m. Eastern Time next Monday, October 13th, Columbus Day, for a very important show. And you can call in and have Amanda or us. We can answer all your questions about uh, DV as it relates to economic abuse and those issues. So are you pregnant? Do you plan on getting pregnant? Do you know anyone who's pregnant who's working? Do you know what your rights are? I mean, this is really what I want to just cover again. We've done shows on this. It's not, it's a muddle. It's not easy, right? We get no. people call every day, don't understand this. And many people think 
I'm pregnant. We're in the United States. What, I'm going to lose my job? That would be illegal. Yes, you're going to lose your job. Yes, you may lose your job. Yes, you have very few rights to continued empowered employment to getting paid. You're going to take a maternity leave. It's going to be a crossroad, right, in mm-hmm. your career or in your job. And so, um, you know, let, and, and in fact, I'll just set it up because this is really what this case is about. Suppose you work in, suppose you work or your girlfriend or your wife works in a restaurant as an assistant manager. And around the time of her fourth or fifth month, her OB tells her, you know, you really need to stay off your feet now, at least for 15 minutes every hour, you're starting to fill in the blank. It doesn't really matter whether it's a sort of a uh, a so-called normal attendant medical issue related to a pregnancy, and many people have, you know, sw- swollen feet, some uh, edema that's related to pregnancy. You may have extra weight gain. You need to drink more fluids. You then need to use the lavatory more, of course, and you may need to have a stool or a chair to sit on. Hello, a civilized response to, as we would expect if it was our loved one, some flexibility. Are you entitled to that? No. The short answer, right, is no. Um, and that's what this case that the Supreme Court is hearing on December 3rd um, involved, and the Supreme Court is hearing this term several cases on discrimination, and with this particular Supreme Court where, as we know, five men of the nine, this is our highest court in the land. These are our top attorneys, top judges. They sit for life tenure. They could drop dead at 95 on the bench. Great gig they have. And they're not, they're beholden to no one. And in fact, they've given themselves now the right to make laws, which the Constitution never actually embodied in this uh, entity uh, called the Supreme Court. Um, And these five men that are the majority of the court that can make the the decisions, because it is majority rule, um, rarely, rarely if ever, decide cases in favor of the underdog, the less powerful women, minorities, workers, employees, just, you know, the poor, the middle class. It's all all geared toward, you know, the chamber of commerce, big money, corporations. And that's unfortunate. I mean, look at the, the decision that we need to overturn. And we should all go visit move to org and sign up uh, for their, you know, to sign a petition and get involved with educating ourselves and others about this obscene decision in 2010 called Citizens United versus FEC, which gives moneyed interests, even foreign corporations, foreign individuals that don't even need to be named, the power, like the Koch brothers. And you know what? I'll just say, I saw something this week on the news when they name it was on uh, on Morning Joe, you know, former Republican congressman, so even though he's on MSNBC, nobody's liberal. And he start, they listed the top donors this midterm election. And they were the five top donors, whatever, and the top amount was, let's say, you know, $10 million. The Koch brothers aren't listed on there. They're not listed, even though they... Okay. the you know, you know why? Because yeah. it's not coming through. It's coming through. It's the Citizens United sanctioned ways, American Prosperity, other front groups that allow them to not directly donate. Those are the direct donations to candidates. So they've they've spent now obscene amounts of money. I don't know the, the figure, but uh, and again, this is just a, a a midterm election, and it's not over yet. But you know, tens of million. I think it was a. I don't know if it was fifty million or seventy five million, but stupid amounts of money. Thousands of ads now for Tea Party candidates to knock you know, either more progressive or even just Democratic candidates off the ticket. So there's really a war against the middle class. There's no question. And I think we all need to really get involved in this. And that's part of why I need feminism. That's part of why we all need it, why what we talk about, which are employee rights, 
specifically women's rights in the workplace, but it's just so important that we don't just tune out and let the few rights that we still have left be taken away from us. The right to collectively bargain, the right to how about a minimum wage. These candidates, like these Tea Party candidates, would like to do away with the minimum wage in addition to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and all kinds of other workplace protections like that OSHA provides the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. So it really is, uh, uh, and and we are, of course, losing the middle class. We lost 60,000 factories in this country in the last 15 years because of free, you know, so-called free trade issues, all had to do with, again, what corporations want. And 25% of corporations still pay zero federal income tax while we're cutting food stamps and we're cutting extended unemployment benefits and taking away the power of people to invest in our our economy through buying services and products in in their community. And our government is not investing in education Mm -hmm. and infrastructure, which would... Uh, create jobs, right? And they're not only and stimulate be- the economy. And then they're not doing it because you've got every GOP congressperson or senator sitting on their hands. We're not even we're not even appointing ambassadors to ambassadorships because yeah. it has anything to do with Obama. You know, I mean, it really is seditious behavior. It's really outrageous. So, just back to what what do we have when when it comes to your rights to you know become to be pregnant and take a maternity leave, okay, and not be fired. Let's just put it that way. What are your rights if you get pregnant and you have a job to not be fired? Well, this this case, um, which is UPS, let me just find the name, is Peggy Young versus United Parcel Service Incorporated. So the long and the short of it, Peggy Young works for UPS. She has to, she's a driver, she has to lift packages. She's pregnant. Comes Along comes the time during her pregnancy where her obstetrician says, you know what, Um, you can't lift packages over 20 pounds or whatever it is. I'm making that up. But some modest restriction. She could still work. She just can't lift boxes right now. Um, And UPS said, well, too bad. Then you have to go out on leave now in your fifth month or fourth month or whatever it is. Unpaid leave. You're not disabled, at least under the law. You go out on unpaid leave, and then when you have your baby, you're going to still be out on maternity leave, so you're not going to be working for eight, nine months, and we don't have to accommodate you. We don't have to accommodate you, even though we accommodate others, obviously, which they do. It would be one thing if the company said, we never make any accommodation for anyone who's disabled, but of course, then they would be crossing the line and be guilty of disability discrimination. You couldn't do that, right? But the distinction about the disability is, or what I understood, is in this particular case, they accommodate people who are hurt on the job, right? not necessarily accommodating people who were hurt in a ski accident That's or correct. something like that. Right. So if you're hurt on the job, they'll accommodate your... Uh, temporary disability. Right, but it's a fallacious. They also accommodate others, those who lose their license. They, they were, there were yeah. three categories of yes. folks who they'll say, oh, sure, we'll accommodate you. You know, you could chill, work in an office. If you have to lift a package w- worth 50 pounds, um, you can uh, ask somebody else to do it for you. By the way, any of us listeners today want to call in with their own question about pregnancy discrimination, um, please do. Call us at 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. We'll take your call on the air, and we'll brainstorm with you. You'll get a little free legal advice. How often do you get that? But back to the, the case. Um, 
the preg- let, let, let me just go back and talk about what did we have before this Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978. That's what the, really this case is about. Prior to that, you had the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which included sex. Not gender as in gender identity, but just biological sex. If you're a female, if you're a woman, if you're a girl, and you're being treated differently as a result of that, as of 1964, arguably, the law protected you. Nothing to do with pregnancy, even though it seemed pretty obvious that pregnancy is inseverable from your status as a female, but had nothing to do with pregnancy. It was just specifically related to, you know, where, you know, only men, you could no longer advertise a position for only men, for instance, right. right? Before 1964, and you and I, Deb, we were alive, right? So many people out, we were, you know, those of us in our 50s were alive in the 60s when, if you, before the Civil Rights Act, if you were sexually harassed, if you were told, get the fuck out, you know, we don't hire girls, we don't know women, whatever, you had nothing to, nothing to say about it. That was very recent history. So let us not forget, at least, that great strides have been made in recent history, although that's exactly what the great strides in the New Deal and the great society and the civil rights movement are under attack now, really vigorous attack by the right wing and the extreme right wing, which is what the Republican Party has become. And it's the corporate media that is all tied into it. That's why, you know what, you don't hear anything really on the media when you're watching TV about campaign funding and the Koch brothers and how we should have you know, elections that are publicly funded. Why? Because they're making out like bandits from all these ads that, the, that, that you know, the, the big moneyed interests are spending now in this election cycle. So it really is corrupt, and it's a shame, and it's not what democracy was as we envisioned it, but or as our founders envisioned it. But back to, um, you know, this case. So the, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, excuse me, itself, what, what does it cover? The PDA amended... Title VII, which is the short version of of the Civil Rights Act, known as Title VII, the statutory uh, number. Civil Rights Act of 1964 was amended by the Pregnancy Discrimination Act to make employment discrimination on the basis of pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions illegal. That constitutes now sex discrimination under Title VII. Women who are pregnant or affected by pregnancy-related conditions must be treated in the same manner in all terms and conditions of employment as other applicants or employees with similar abilities or limitations. The only thing you need to know is you need 15 employees. So that's another, in our country, 15 employees. You're not covered if there's 12 employees in your company under federal law. You will hopefully have a state law that protects you. And we'll go over. I have. I will mention there are certain states that have protection, state and federal, certain states that have virtually no protection. Um, we'll talk about that later. And I'll give you there's a, the, the link to the Department of Labor website that has a map, and you could plug in your particular jurisdiction and see. Um, but um, so, so the PDA is pretty explicit. And Congress enacted the PDA, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, to put an end to widespread, the widespread practices of discrimination against women when they become, when they're with child. Women were routinely forced to leave the workforce, right, when they became mm-hmm. pregnant, with the result that women were subject as a class. This is important. There's no other class in UPS that we're talking about. This is why it's just so, it's such a no-brainer when you look at it without any, you know, sort of darkness in your heart. Because the idea was to rectify the economic disadvantages um, and the exclusion from the public sphere that women 
um, became subjected to once they became mothers. These policies rested, they still rest, on paternalistic assumptions and outmoded stereotypes that have always been used to justify sex discrimination. So to remedy this um, systematic systematic and systemic discrimination, the PDA requires an employer to provide the same accommodation to pregnant workers as the employer gives to workers who are, quote, similar in their ability or inability to work. That's all it says. Quote, similar in their ability or inability to work. It doesn't say anything about on or off the job, right? Um, This comparative remedy was necessary to address the class-based mistreatment to which women were uniquely subjected as women. So policies like UPSs that push pregnant workers out of the workplace when they need an accommodation that other workers receive, they just perpetuate women's second-class status in the workforce and in society, you know, more, more, um, more broadly. When women are forced to leave the workplace because of pregnancy-related conditions while other workers with similar limitations are provided, let's say, light duty, that's what mm-hmm. light duty, that's light what duty, she needed. Light duty, right. Um, Women suffer the very discrimination that Congress sought to eradicate with the PDA back in 1978. They lose income, economic security, benefits, including their health insurance, um, often with devastating results to them yeah, and their because families. they're not getting another job because nobody's hiring Nobody. a woman who is five Period. months pregnant. Period. Right? You Case know? closed. Right. Um, and, and, and these consequences we were talking about and not in being unemployed and down on the, on the balls of your butt just for being cast out because you're having a baby. Again, this is supposed to be our family values culture. Aren't we, aren't boys having these babies too? Where are the, where are the fathers in this? Why don't we care about that? Um, so, so, you know, the, 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 this is exactly what Congress had in mind when it, when it enacted uh, the PDA. Before that, laws and workplace policies, as I mentioned before, often forced women to stop working when they became pregnant. And it was, didn't matter their capacity to work. So they relegated women to second-class status in the workplace and to economic disadvantage over the short term and the long term. So the idea of the PDA is to enable pregnant women to participate on an equal footing in the labor force. And it did so by ensuring, at least on paper, that pregnant women wouldn't be treated worse than other workers who are similar, again, in their ability or inability to work. So when you deny pregnant workers who are tempor- only temporarily, right, unable to perform their regularly assigned duties as an accommodation that is available to other workers, for instance, at UPS, the policy pushes pregnant women out of the workforce and it undermines the purpose of the PDA and it perpetuates the same inequality, the same old stuff that mm-hmm. the statute was meant to address. Um, by the, you know, that there, you would remember this too, that there were longstanding practices like... Um, you know, there were notions that pregnancy was incompatible with work, certainly, in the, you know, through, through much of the 20th century. So um, there were, if you were, you know, there were out, out, in fact, this is a quote from a case, the outdated notion, the PDA was supposed to uh, remedy, the outdated notion that women are only supplemental or temporary workers earning pin money or waiting to return home to raise children full-time. These stereotypes implicated all women, and they emanated from the belief that women are and should remain the center of home and family life, unquote, from a 1961 federal case. So you had a whole 
stewardesses, as they used to be called, the moment that they found out they were pregnant, had to take sort of permanent leave? I thought when they found out they were married, even. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. I know that there was there was a case. Stewardesses looking, couldn't be married. Stewardesses. Originally. Okay. Well, that may, maybe originally, but still, as of 1980, uh, uh, it was a case where stewardesses, quote, shall upon knowledge of pregnancy discontinue flying. This was a, a case against Pan Am World Airways, um, 1980. And there's a whole host of other cases from in every single, you know, teachers, uh, utility workers. It just goes, the list goes through a, n- a number of job-type descriptions where by the fifth month, psh, you're gone. Hit the bricks, babe. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. And then you're not... You're not you lose your seniority, and you're out for nine months, and the chances, and they don't have to keep the job open for you because there was no right. There's no right. law, no so basically protection. you're choosing to sort of, you know, you're picking a lane. You want to stay home and have babies. You can't work. This is the thing that always pissed me off. It always bothered me that you really, how do you, how can you have your cake and eat it too? And it's very difficult, and it still is. So this is, um, this is the case that is now addressing this significant issue because Peggy Young is no longer working for UPS as a result of these discriminatory okay, practices. Okay, yeah. uh, unless you're about to explain the distinction. No, so the distinction uh, in layman's terms, since I'm not an attorney, so, so what has happened is an employer based on the PDA is not allowed to discriminate against a woman simply because she's pregnant. But there was a big gray area about accommodation because pregnancy was not classified as a disability, a temporary disability, which is what, in this case, I believe UPS is saying, she's just pregnant, she's not disabled. And... That's what the PDA did not make clear. They're not saying she's not. They're not saying she's not disabled, and she actually was. She had some, you know, actual that would be covered under the new ADA, ADA. ADA uh, revised as of two thousand nine, an expanded list of what would constitute a disability. She had that. She wasn't simply just someone who says, you know, I need to sit down because my doctor says I should, and that would be covered, for instance, on New York City law or the other proposed. Right. Pre- okay. She had what 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 the UPS is saying is that we so so for instance, I'll, I'll, I will UPS. It's undisputed. Now, UPS provides temporary accommodations, including light duty, to certain workers. Those who are injured on the job, those who have impairments cognizable under the ADA, and those who have lost their Department of Transportation certification. So what they're saying here is, and whether she does or doesn't at the time, this is, I don't know, remember when this began or what circuit in the Fourth Circuit. I don't know the, the specific particulars, but it, they're not saying she's not disabled. They're saying she doesn't fit into this list. So that if the particular list that they keep arguing is if it's off duty. So if you, let's say, hurt your back off, you know, lifting your piano in your house. Yeah. It's not an ADA disability. It may not affect a major life activity such as bending, sleeping, living, breathing, what have you. It's temporary. You need a month of not being able to do what you do at work and you need a little help. But you can work. You can get to work. You just can't lift anymore. But you were injured off the job, not on the job. That's what UPS is saying. Tough noogies if it was off the job. So she 
has a disability that came about from being a woman and simply being pregnant, and they're saying it's not on the job, it's not you didn't lose your license, and under the ADA, whatever her particulars were, it's not a specific. You're not blind. You didn't doesn't rise to the level. It's probably the I don't recall what hers were, but they're able to make that argument with a straight face, simply saying we we provide accommodations for people. We just don't provide accommodations for that type, that particular type of person, somebody who is pregnant and has a disability because it doesn't fit into this category. But that's not what, again, we're talking about a whole class of people. So this is the category that UPS has created. They, they made this up, exactly, yeah. as they're going along. They made it up. So the point so is... So her point is... Well, their justification, UPS, is for the disregard of the statutory command is that UPS does not provide accommodations to workers who in, whose injuries arise off the job and who do not qualify for coverage under the ADA. So let's say she doesn't actually qualify under the ADA, which is a pretty steep, as you know, a pretty steep hill, even with the amendments. Pregnancy is not a disability anywhere. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So UPS contends that it is those who don't receive an accommodation under its policy, rather than those who do who provide the relevant comparison group for PDA purposes. It's like a sleight of hand. See, but what that approach does, it makes a mockery of the PDA because it was designed to address the problem of individual workers who are injured off the job, whether they're male or female. It was designed to, which it didn't do, it was designed to address the problem faced by women as a class when they are forced out of their jobs due to pregnancy. They don't care what, P, what UPS wants. That's what the legislation was designed to to, to, to augment and to support and empower women as a class because they were routinely forced out of their jobs and their professions as a result of pregnancy. So the sleight of hand is, so well... So they're trying to prove that UPS creating this, how do they get around the PDA? Because, because they're ignoring the PDA. The PDA says specifically, and I read it earlier, the second part of the PDA was that statement that, and let's go back to it, here's the entire PDA. It's a sentence. Where is my PDA? You cannot discriminate against because of pregnancy. Right. But it's also, here's what it says. Women, the PDA, okay, um, to make employment discrimination on the basis of pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions constitutes sex discrimination. That's the first part. Now, women who are pregnant or affected by pregnancy-related conditions must be treated in the same manner in all terms and conditions of employment as other applicants or employees with similar abilities or limitations. In other words, what the argument is, and some of this is coming from today, I was reading the briefs, the beautiful briefs by the ACLU and by A Better Balance and by Working Women 9 to 5, argues that very simply the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the, the, the high court below the, right below the Supreme Court that just affirmed the UPS's and the original trial court's decision to say she doesn't have uh, a leg to stand on and didn't deserve an accommodation, they, they, they did a whole kind of bending over backwards to avoid what the PDA expressly says, that, that it has to do with uh, employees with similar abilities or limitations that can work. It had, who, they, the, the, the federal law doesn't allow them to say, "Oh, but we we don't we don't we have our own policy that that trumps that and distinguishes based on new things off the job on the job." It has nothing to do with that. The, the people who are injured off the job are not a protected class that needs this type of you know that has historically been discriminated against. Yes, right. Okay, so take pregnancy out of it then. I work for UPS. 
I break my leg. I fell down my stairs. Uh, they do not accommodate me. They, if you, if it, all you need is, it depends, right? If you broke your leg and you say, I can still get to work. I just need, see, I don't. I need a see, desk see, job. She, she, but she needed light duty. I don't know, again, the particulars, and we'll talk about particulars. Okay, for, whatever it is, I need light duty. Right. They you know, I hurt my back. They don't give it to them. They, they don't, they're saying that under our policy, if someone hurts their back and needs light duty for four months, um, and it's not an a, a specific ADA-covered disability, we're not going to do it because we say we don't have to do it. I would say that person probably has a claim of disability discrimination, right. too. But we're not talking about some schmobo who hurt his back now. We're talking about every single woman of childbearing age right. who works for UPS or other companies that are covered by the law being sort of railroaded out still like they used to be when you were a stewardess mm-hmm. um, because they're saying, you know what? If you, if only you happen to have the same issues your doctor says you have now, but it was as a result of a job, not because you have a baby growing inside you, we would accommodate you. But again, we're talking about, you know, this is like we're talking about what's taken, you know, centuries, decades to enact the protection for women who have historically been, you know, have been discriminated against when they have this is this is again specific legislation there's no question that a fair mind reading this it's explicit it has to say to them but wait a minute how why aren't you comparing her against workers who who are injured on the job for instance how can you accommodate some and not all of these women that are under federal law we're telling you you have to accommodate so they made this specious claim and again Many court. We have now a. The reason this is such an important case is we have a split in the court. Some so-called federal circuit courts have found for an employee like this, and some have not. From varying degrees of your, you know, you're out, you're out of the box. Go hit the, you know, hit mm-hmm. the bricks. Mm-hmm. So we don't expect much from this Supreme Court because it's looking at. You know what the answer would be if the Supreme Court finds for Ms. Young. And therefore, for all other women who say this is not open season, you could just say, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm tired. I want to be able to work from home for four months." Um, it's very specific, strict. You know, you would have to jump through certain hoops and certainly have medical corroboration of all of this. And again, we're not saying you have to work. It's just a question of does the company do it for others, and why won't they do it for women when the law specifically says the the court bent over backwards, t- twisted itself into a pretzel to find rationale for why they shouldn't have to allow this woman to remain gainfully employed. At the end of the day, isn't that what it's about? Right. And it's, again, who is it affecting only? Peggy Young's husband, if he works at UPS or anywhere else, not going to have to deal with any of this stuff, right? Right. It's only Peggy Young. So when you have that type of, you know, when you're looking at this kind of scrutiny that should be that should be, um, you know, like level gaze at what's going on here. Well, you, we should be able to protect half of the population, which, again, are just us, right? It's like half of the population. We're raising our kids. And this is clearly the court is going to rule against her, in my you know, humble opinion, because there's too much from the Chamber of Commerce and the lobbyists and all of the groups that they normally kowtow to are saying, are you kidding me? This is going to cost us a fortune. Why would you give her, you know, they're they're calling it now, whatever, special interest or preferred class. We preferred class. They're women and they're having babies. And there's a law now that's taken us, you know, a century to finally get to this point where women shouldn't, I mean, as you know, Deb, we're we're like the only industrialized country that doesn't have mandatory paid leave. 
right. only industrialized country on the entire planet. Pick your country where at the bottom, right, at the bottom of the barrel. And we don't even provide any kind of uh, pr- real protection for leave, even unpaid, because unless under the Family and Medical Leave Act, so let's just, let me just go through quickly. You basically have, so as a woman, and if your company has 15 employees at least. One five. One five, right, thank you. One five, under federal law, you're protected as a woman, and you're protected as a pregnant woman. And that's really a lot of protection. You should keep that in mind, that if your company is busting your chops with regard to your pregnancy or your plan to get pregnant, your discussions about family issues, uh, or when you're pregnant, or when you're out on leave, or when you come back from maternity leave, if you feel that you've been messed with, that your terms and conditions of employment were degraded as a result of your becoming pregnant and all the things that you might have had to be out several days because you had sonograms and amniocentesis and whatever. All of these stuff, if you feel that that's a result of your pregnancy-related challenges, disability issues, your pregnancy, your maternity leave, and you have 15 employees, you've got a lot of juice. You're covered because the law does protect, you know, notwithstanding Peggy Young's problems, you just need to keep in mind that if you're being treated this way, I would document this to my company, to the human resource person, to the CEO, to anybody who's above you in the food chain. I would complain in a formal way in writing to say, you know what, I don't think that my supervisor should be asking me if I'm done having children. I don't think that my supervisor should be asking me you know, any kind of questions that like, are personal or related to my mm-hmm. childbearing issues, right? And I don't think this should be happening. I don't think they should tell me that I can't fly if I'm ready to fly to this meeting. I don't think I should be excluded, et cetera. They can't sort of you know, paternalistically tell you what you can or can't do, and which they often do. Oh, I think it's, it's dangerous here. You shouldn't be around. You can't work in the office because there are x-rays in the office. That's a big one, mm. even though you're not getting exposed to the x-rays in the dentist's office. They often say that. Well, they can't do that. They can't tell you that you can't work here because they're afraid that you'll be, you know, uh, exposed to something that may be toxic to your baby because it's some Christian owner of the company, like in Hobby Lobby, says it's my, you know, I don't think that a pregnant woman should be doing this. That's all illegal. So you do have a lot of leverage with the Pregnancy Discrimination Act as part of the federal law that says there's no discrimination against pregnant women if you have 15 or more employees. And that's important to keep that in mind. If there are 50 employees in your company, 5-0, and you've worked for the company for at least one year, relative, you know, full-time, not exactly full-time, but it's 1,250 hours. It's, I think, working 25 or 30 hours per week. You are now covered by the Family and Medical Leave Act. And all that means is, which is not, you know, is a, it means could mean a lot, is that you're entitled to 12 weeks of leave to have your baby or to adopt a child. It's also used for, you know, sickness for yourself or for your spouse or for a parent. But that 12 weeks per year, however you dice and slice it, you get 12 weeks per year of unpaid leave. God forbid anybody ever pays for this. But if you can afford to and you can take your, uh, you know, your accrued vacation. In fact, they can make you use up your vacation during that leave period. Um, you have 12 weeks that they can't mess with. And, and you, they have to let you come back to work. You have to, with very few exceptions be permitted to come back to the job that you left when you went on went out on that unpaid leave. But that doesn't cover, you know, it covers less than, way less than, I don't know this exact amount, the half of the workforce. Many people work for much Small smaller business. companies. Right. Right? And many yeah. people haven't been in their company a year when they happen to, when their baby is born. Right. Who's planning it that, that way? Who knows right. about that? So the FMLA 
which again was enacted in 1993 and was a boon to families. It was it doesn't go anywhere near far enough. It's not family responsibility leave, um, but it is gender neutral in the sense you know a, a male can take it as well, and it's certainly an empowering um, and useful statute. Then we have under various state laws, which is important. And in fact, um, I think I, I put the chart down here. There are 16 states in the union that have the best protections for employees who are pregnant. There's a state law and a federal law. And the state law specifically in these 16 states protects pregnancy. Women who are pregnant as a result of pregnancy, you can't be discriminated against. And it goes beyond the PDA, what we were talking about. And it also, these 16 states have lactate nursing laws, right, that allow a woman to lactate or express milk in the workplace. These 16 states are Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Mississippi, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Virginia. If you live in those states, you're lucky. If you're pregnant in those states, Virginia, I was surprised as well. I recently yeah. had a Virginia case. I was surprised by Arkansas. Right. <laughs> That's right. Very surprising, but they do. And they also require less employees as a threshold yeah, matter the for coverage. That is a big one. So, for instance, again, in New York, where we practice and where we are speaking to you from, it is four employees, both in the state and the city, is all you need. So if you work for a small mom-and-pop shop with four employees, including you, you're covered. They have to give you, you, you. They can't say to you, "Sorry, we're too small." You're, which people hear. This is this is a big one. Listen up. When people hear all the time from employers, "We're not covered by the FMLA." You're not covered by the FMLA. We're too small. Sorry. What are you going to do? You don't get 12 weeks. We don't have to give you maternity leave. Eh, wrong, because it's discrimination. Disability discrimination. If they say you can't have any time off to have your baby when you presumably need to convalesce. I mean, even if you're young and healthy and you have a, you know, a one, two, three vaginal delivery, what are you going to need? Even forget about optimally for the baby how much time you need, but you need a month, don't you? I mean, you're not running back to work the next day. And that's not particularly civilized, you know, but you're going to need six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. And, and the company has to work with you. It certainly has to in New York have a discussion with you, can't you, you know, about what your needs are, mm-hmm. what our needs are, and come to a decision how long they're going to wait for you. And in many of these 16 states, presumably, it requires, and you can look this up, you Google it, your own, these states all have their own, I don't know what they're called, in New York it's called the New York State Division of Human Rights or the New York City Commission on Human Rights. And every state has it. These states certainly have their own agency. And you can look it up and see how many employees and what does it say. You're definitely covered. These 16 states, you're entitled to maternity leave, period. Um, there are and five, job protection. And job protection. Thank you. That's exactly. That's Well, that's probably the most important point. That's what Peggy Young didn't have. Right. You know, consistent protection. The, the income will be there. Why should you have to choose? Between having a baby. Well, not only, you know, having to choose, but the way the law is set up right now, a woman, uh, at least with the number of laws, the 737 or something like that laws that have been enacted this year to take away a woman's right to her own health choices. So in essence... A woman in many states right now doesn't have much choice about whether or not she can afford, she is emotionally and or physically prepared to have this baby. So she's sort of forced into it. And she can also lose her job 
and have no means of support right. to help take care of this right. baby, Pro-life baby that right. she's being essentially <laughs> right. forced to have. And right. then on top of that, to add insult to injury, in and I forget how many states it is, but there are several states that if she is raped... Right. And has to have this child. The rapist can sue for visitation right. of this child. Yeah, I think that's North Carolina. There are others. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening. Right. It's medieval. I mean, it really is. It really is. It's unbelievable. And again, many of us are asleep at the wheel because that's what's also so scary. Because, again, if you're the average person, your parents are, you know, oh, well, you watch, you know, 11 o'clock news. You, know, you don't see this shit on the news. You don't really get it all. It's mm-hmm. all just we're all sort of in this torpor of, you know, let's going along and doing what we do and not, you know, going shopping and trying to buy our house and doing whatever and hoping that we could send our kids through to college and do the things that we all used to do. Um, or think that it was a, you know, it was sort of a right of being an American, uh, and now you know that is all um, under under attack. And it, but it's but it's 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 under attack in ways as you just mentioned that can actually bring us back to bef- certainly before Roe v. Wade. I mean, and again, if the next you know the next president is not a progressive, um, and again they're poised the Republicans right now in this even this midterm election to potentially take the Senate as I, as I said before the co- they're spending tons of money ad work you know Deb this is your business right before advertising works and when you have unlimited sums of money these two brothers these Koch brothers who one of them ran in 1980 on the libertarian platform and one of the platform was ending minimum wage ending Medicare eradicating Social Security you know bringing us back to the early 20th century where people just died in in, in poverty and ignominy and just you know, right. just kind of, it's it's unbelievably frightening when you think about how far back they want to take us, and that's what many of these laws and you know women don't seem to actually we don't seem to be rising up in unison, and really you know we're 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 all again we're sort of hypnotized into let's talk about sort of the latest whatever else terror usually that's what they do with us oh there's you know we have to deal with ISIS now and not talking about and let's spend another trillion dollars on another phony. Or another war, instead of sort of taking care of what's important in in our homeland, the mm-hmm. heartland. So, you mentioned the states, um, you know, that that are probably most at war uh, against women. Those are probably the five states that have neither yeah. a pregnancy discrimination law nor lact- lactation law. Those are Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, Kansas, and North Carolina. In these five states, only the federal law, so the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, if you've got 15 employees, if you work in a place in the five states I just mentioned and there aren't 15 employees, you're just shit out of luck, sister, in terms of your baby. You're having a baby, you want to, you know, you better beg. Just clarify for the people, for home health workers, housekeepers, babysitters, people who are employed by, you know, one person. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I know New York City or there might be certain state or city protections. Or if you're a home health worker, well, you know, taking care of grandma. Well, forget it. You have, for purposes of the mat, you know, the, the, there is no federal law. And there's virtually, as far as I know, I don't I don't know the I don't have I can't tell you how many, but virtually every state will not have protection. If you were it's the same. There's no difference. If you're a home health care worker everywhere else, anywhere else where you work for one or two people because you work at home, 
How is that different from working at the candy store with the one or two, you know, it's a two-person shop. They're too small. They're not covered. The legislatures have said, we don't want you. You're going to put everybody out of business if you sue a tiny mom and pop. So if you're in such a small place, deal with it. You don't have rights like that. So except for the places that are covered, I don't don't remember. I don't don't know if New York City has that. I think New York City does have it. I don't recall. I think it might, but that's New York City. You're in the, you know, the mecca, the bastion of progressivity. We've started. We have, we had sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination for anybody else. So if it's here in New York City, I don't know. We should have looked that up or I should have before we came on the air because when was the last time we've dealt with a, a case like that? I don't recall. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but I would still be, I'd still, unless it just specifically, and I think there is, it's ringing a bell, but I, again, we haven't had that as a client. I don't recall that, calling and saying, my job is, I'm a home health care aide. I mean, is she off the book? Most of them are not even on the book, so it becomes that much more of a challenge right. if you're not even an te- employee. And how many of the home health care aides or the nannies are actually you know, completely off the radar screen, right? They're getting paid cash. And if that's the case, you're not an employee. So if you're a home health care aide and you're getting a salary. And most of the home health care workers work through agencies. That's how we, that's how they're covered. Right. Is that they work okay, through. that's how they're covered. That's, exactly. I, I, that's it's what I'm exactly. thinking. Okay. okay. But that wouldn't distinguish them. If there is a distinction but a babysitter, law for them. You know, like if you have a babysitter that, you know, you Do whatever just, you want to her. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, and, and by the way, the, the, I think we mentioned when we're looking, talking about uh, lactation that uh, I think it's uh, the Affordable Care Act now, although yeah. it requires 50 employees, but it has to, you ha- they have to set aside a room, a clean non-bathroom room for you when you come back from attorney leave to express milk and so forth right. if, for your baby. Private. Um, right. Now, now, let's just go back to New York City. We're talking about New York City. does have, the, as of just this year... January 1st, 2014, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, mm-hmm. which says that the employer has to af- affirmatively provide a reasonable accommodation for your pregnancy-related issues, whatever, and they don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be dying, you don't have to be uh, a high risk on complete bed rest, obviously then they, there'd be nothing to accommodate. They have to provide, unless it is an undue hardship, so-called, on the business, they have to engage in a discussion with you and reasonably accommodate your needs at work to remain gainfully employed through your pregnancy. What are those you know, accommodations? Light duty, help with lifting, or a temporary transfer to a less physically demanding position, breaks to drink water. What a concept. Hydration. They have to allow you to do more. They can't give you the one 10-minute break to uh, you know, to, to have you know who really suffers from this, just from my own, you know, taking the phone calls, right. is um, our nurses, mm-hmm. because part of a nurse's LPN, RN, mm-hmm. whatever CNA's um, job is to turn the 250-pound exactly. guy right. in 3B. Right. And at a certain point, for some women, flipping that much... I mean, right. I know I was an animal while I was pregnant, but I don't know that I could have lifted a 250-pound... or turned a 250-pound well, guy. You, and you shouldn't and have, they, you could. And they... Although, you know, they say terrible things about, you know, nurses eat their own. But nurses have, well, I was just... Well, I mean, separate issue, right? Well, it is a separate issue, but it's all about discrimination because women discriminate against women and it's an ongoing thing. But that's one of those 
um, jobs that requires a reasonable accommodation, but with all of the cutbacks, they now only have three staff people, and one of them can't do you know, a third of the job, so trying to find other people, and then the one who can't do it, the pregnant woman, is picked on, is ostracized, is, you know, as you would say, the terms and conditions of her employment are deteriorating because Mm -hmm. she's unable to perform at a thousand percent. Right, exactly. I mean, there's no question that these types of challenges affect lower-income women, lower-income workers way more. So that's another, and of course, that's why, you know, no lobbyists, nobody really cares. But the, you know, so the the workers in the so-called pink ghetto, people, whether you're a waitress or a cashier, or again, as you say, sometimes, you know, the the LPNs or even the RNs. But, you know, if you're a female executive, so-called, or you're a female attorney and you have a desk job, it's less significant you also have more juice probably in your organization you know the they the big law firms are probably not doing the same discriminating against their high paid high powered female attorneys but if you're someone who really needs the money you're a paycheck to paycheck person you're having a family you probably don't even know that this is going to you know that you're going to get so screwed and right. lose this momentum that you have at the time that you least can afford to lose right. your momentum that's and why your it job. is so shameful when pregnant women are terminated because right. they are They're not screwed. getting, nobody's hiring them. Which is why the Pregnancy Discrimination Act and what's being argued on December 3rd is so important and why UPS's argument is really this emperor has no clothing to say that, you know, it's all right. this specious stuff that's like, it's smoke and mirrors, it's a shell game. Well, we do it for them. Why aren't we? Why doesn't an organization like UPS feel obligated? Well, I you know, I don't know. But... Uh, who knows why, you know, other than profit rules. All right, profit over but, people. Um, you know, we should know this, but we only really know New York. Um, so because there is no federal paid maternity leave, what New York does provide is disability payment for the six weeks or the eight weeks. The question really is, why can't we get something federal? That, you know, why don't we have paid maternity leave? Well, why don't we have paid maternity leave? We we could do eight hours of a show on, and that you know implicates. I every, mean, but it's why don't we have New York? It? Why don't I, we have health care? I'm just saying, one little state is able to figure out how to give somebody even just a pit. Well, it's, it's bullshit. It's, anyway, it's it's a pitiful amount, but it's something. You know, you're making three hundred a week, and now you're going to make a hundred and fifty or or one hundred seventy dollars a week for right. six weeks. Okay, big deal. Okay, but it's something. Right. Okay, right. so you're not, you know, completely without income. Right. But it's just, it boggles my mind. I just don't get it. I don't understand. And it's not And it's not like people choose to have babies. In many states, they're forced 
to have babies. Which is what is happening now more and more. So right. what do you mean? How, because we're re- becoming, we've got this regressive backlash right. that, that, of course, supports and empowers and nurtures the, you know, 1%, the 0.1%, you know, the oligarchs and so forth. And, and leave the rest of us are, you know, out in the cold. And they've kind of snookered us, most that aren't really paying attention. Everybody watching Fox so-called news, how do they get away with calling themselves news? And people watch it. They lie every day. It's Fox phone news. It's all, I mean, it's, it's, it's really challenging times. If people listen to Bernie Sanders, you know, every week or go read his, you know, go to his website where it's a great, you know, news um, site as well. And hopefully he'll run or maybe with Elizabeth Warren. We might be able to turn this around if we ever start getting back to investing in our Selves and in our people and right. our country, not this bullshit about, you know, so how much more money can a corporation or billionaire make opening up a factory in, you know, in somewhere in Asia or in South America? That's why minimum wage really is a global issue. Of course issue. it is. And the amount now that, again, to be the fact that we subsidize Walmart family. I know. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a freaking outrage. So just to, just to, again, to recap for everyone, you are likely protected. This is what I always want to, to tell all you know, women or people who know or love someone who may, in fact, have to be dealing with this issue, chances are you're protected despite what your employer is telling you and despite what you've just heard on this show because there are ways to sort of work it that just before you're fired or before you quit, you just need to know. Again, let me recap. Don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. Quitting is like shooting yourself in the head and making it easy for your employer. You know, get empowered. Get knowledge before anything happens. Find out what's going on in your jurisdiction and your job. Because a lot of things you could do to sort of use your juice to leverage into something that either keeps you working or gets you a severance package because if you're going to leave, at least leave with your head held high and not a cup in your hand. God bless you, because, um, you know, your employer is afraid, concerned that you may sue them. And the reason they'd be concerned, when you complain about discrimination, pregnancy discrimination, disability discrimination, they must at least look into it. And if they don't or they treat you worse as a result, you have a back a retaliation claim that may survive and will survive despite whether or not your pregnancy claim is particularly valid. So what you have to understand, again, if you work for, first of all, find out in your state how many employees are required and how many employees you have in your company, because if you have eight in your state provides for four or eight or 10, as many states do, less than the federal uh, minimum, you are covered, whether or not it's expansive, like the 16 states I mentioned, or not. That means that you as a female and you as a pregnant female are covered by your state's discrimination laws, and they can't just lie to you about the FMLA or tell you, you know, try to fool you into taking a long maternity leave or quitting, which many of them do. So understand that. If you, so if you work for an employer with at least 15 employees, you're covered under the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which is part of the Civil Rights Act, which says that on the basis of your gender, your sex, and your pregnancy, they can't treat you differently or worse than they do others, either females who aren't pregnant or anybody else in the workplace who is not going through what you're going through. In other words, you're saying as a woman with child, I now am being treated this certain way, and I don't think it's kosher. I don't think it's right. It feels discriminatory to me. It's creating a hostile work environment. I'm upset about it. That, again, requires 15 employees. If you have work for a big company that has at least five, zero, 50 employees, and you've been there a year, you were entitled to the Family and Medical Leave Act, which... Me, and you're also entitled to on top of, you know, that means they are, if there are 50 employees, you're also covered by the PDA. 
and covered by the Civil Rights Act of 1964. You're also therefore covered by your state's law, which which is inclusive in within that. And then you've got the best of all worlds is you at least get 12 weeks to be out, even if you're not getting 10 cents for your troubles. And again, like every other nation in the OECD nations, the you know the developed nation, so-called, every one of them has mandatory paid leave, and some of them up to a year, I believe, in the Netherlands. Yeah. So we're just we're just like the Klingons again. We're back to you know we're 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 this is all fend for yourself, like all the you know if you don't have health insurance. We're the same. Even Iran, I believe, has well, sure paid. It does. It's not on that list, right? Definitely. So, you know, we really are, you know, this is American exceptionalism at its worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so 50 employees, you're covered by the FMLA, and you're entitled to 12 weeks unpaid leave in any given year. You can't get two in a row, but you have to every 12 months, you're entitled to 12 weeks of unpaid leave for the birth or adoption of your baby. If there are 15 employees, you're covered by the Civil Rights Act, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which amended that act to say women, pregnant women, women who are planning to get pregnant, women who have gotten pregnant, are covered and can't be suddenly treated worse or differently as a result of that. That gives you power because if you complain about that and they say, oh, you're complaining about it, now you're really fired, you have a case. Right. That case doesn't mean you're going to spend five years in court and win a million dollars. It means that it gives you some leverage to push back, to hold them accountable, and maybe to settle and to teach them a lesson so they don't do that to the next woman. That's what right. we always say to our clients and it makes our clients feel good. It's not about... It's not about, you know, changing the world. It's you changing it one person at a time, and we're starting with you. You're the person you care most about or your significant other. Um, and so, so again, those are the, the – to recap, finally, we have a couple of minutes left. Um, unless you work for a tiny employer, although I believe in – that's why you have to check your state. In New Jersey, I believe under the New Jersey statute, it's very progressive, interesting enough, as much as we all like to make fun of the Garden State – and its governor now and all the issues of corruption. It's only second to only New York, I think, in you know, historic corruption. But it, does, it is progressive in terms of, at least in terms of uh, employment discrimination. Employment, and Connecticut, too. And Connecticut. Connecticut, less so. In New Jersey, because New Jersey has one. W- one employee, I believe. You work for a tiny employer with one, you're still entitled to, you're protected under that state's anti-discrimination statutes. But most states require at least four, like New York and New York City. Um, so check that out. But if you have at least 15, don't let them mess with you. You're entitled to being treated fairly and no differently than comparator non-pregnant people or women. And especially if you have a disability as a result of your pregnancy, something that happened during the pregnancy, you know, that you have um, gestational diabetes right. or other some, some high-risk issues, you are then covered under the ADA. That's, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act will cover you if you have a pregnancy-related kind of more serious issue like gestational diabetes or I can't think of other um, particular issues that might require bed rest or hospitalization. And then you're really fully covered and they have to reasonably accommodate you. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, as many people do with that apt you know, analogy, metaphor, because a lot of people just go, oh, you know, they tell me, that I'm not sure, I Googled it, I don't know. You know, fight for your job, fight for your right to be equal, uh, fight for your ability to, if you have to leave, if they're going to fire you, to be able to get a certain amount of money, a.k.a. severance, for your pain and suffering, your emotional distress, for your back pay, for something, so it will hold you over until you find another job. But remember, the fact that 
you're a female who's pregnant should not be the basis for this change in your status of employment. And that's worth fighting for. Right. You know, if it happened to men, shit, we would be, as I always oh, say, forget well, it. if we got pre- if men got pregnant, the FMLA would be six months long and fully paid, right? Exactly. Okay. So on that note, we thank you for joining us. We remind you next week to join us. Amanda Noreko will be with us to speak about economic abuse as a form of domestic Violence, which is some important topic that you don't hear talked about very often on the corporate media. And until then, again, we're, we're grateful and honored that you stayed with us today. And we wish you a strong and powerful week from Deborah and Jack and the whole team at Women's Rights in the Workplace. Just remember, don't quit. Don't quit.